Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2. Your word has free reign this morning. Father, in my prayer is Acts 6, 7, the number of disciples would grow and multiply. Father, we just rest in you. Psalm 8110, as I open my mouth wide today, you fill it with your words. Change hearts and lives in this place, in Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you just say amen? amen. Now, I'm not really going to review from our series last week, but we are continuing the unmeasurable love of God. Now, I do want to teach you this morning. I love to preach. I love to get fired up. I love to get excited. I love to make the camera chase me around like a tennis match. I mean, I love to do that. Today, I'm purposely going to dial back and I want to teach you, and I'm going to stay a little closer to my notes because we have some incredible revelation today. Uh, I've been chewing on this and working on this, and then uh, one evening this week at about, I don't know, 1030, the Holy Spirit began to uh, give me some things, which was not the best opportune time. But I guess that was the only time I was quiet and the only time that I was still. And so I worked on this until about 1.30 that, that night, that evening, just downloading revelation, revelation, revelation the Lord was giving me. So this is going to be uh, the next two weeks we're going to kind of talk about the same topic. And it's, it's really about redemption and God's plan of love in redemption. And Candy wasn't here today, and she didn't know what I was going to be preaching on. And every song that we sang dealt with redemption. I'm blameless. I'm holy in your sight. And, and, and you paid the price. And it's just an amazing thing the Lord has orchestrated today. So let's look at our scriptures, Ephesians 3. We'll start in verse uh, 18 just for time's sake. We're talking about the unmeasurable love of God. There is a layer and a level of God's love that we can come to know, but the ultimate revelation of God's love will not be fully known until we're with the Lord and in heaven, and, and then we'll fully know the, the God of love and the love of God. But there is different dimensions of God's love. Just because you know in your heart, John three sixteen, God loves me, God loves the world, just because you know, yeah, God loves me, doesn't mean that you have a growing and, and living revelation of that. And that's what we want to help you with. The Bible says we would have the strength to know, to comprehend, to understand with all the saints. Meaning this revelation is for everybody in the house. This revelation is for all the saints. That we would know how wide and how long and how high and how deep. And verse 19 says that we would know the love of Christ. That we would really come to know intimately through experience the love of Christ that passes just mere knowledge and that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're full of it. God's love, that is. Amen? <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking, but the Bible says we can be filled with all the fullness of God. And that word fullness and filled in the original Greek language means to fill a hollow. It means to stuff or to cram. It means to fill till it overflows. And so what can we be full of? What can we be filled with? What is all the fullness of God? God is love. You can't separate God from love. It is immeasurable, but we can grow in that revelation. Now let's look at a quick parable that helps us understand this. In Matthew 13, this parable is essential to our teaching today. The Bible says in Matthew 13 and 44, if you're taking notes, it's on the screen. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like. How many of you would like to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? Well, Jesus is about to tell us one of the elements. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again. He found it. This man found a treasure. 
he discovered it in a field. In his excitement, he hit it again, and he sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Now, we told you the man represents Jesus. In my opinion of this parable, the way I'm going to teach it, the man represents Jesus. There are other applications, but the man represents Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus is the man. And then the field represents the world. And then the treasure represents the body of Christ. Those who have called upon the name of the Lord, those who have been saved and brought into the kingdom of God, we are the treasure that I want to apply in this parable. So let's jump right in today. I want to talk to you about God's love, and we're going to talk about what is redemption. What is redemption? What does this word mean? I believe you'll see that on the screen. We've got a slide that talks about redemption. I want you to see this. This is a... This is a a multifaceted definition. I've, I've gleaned this from many sources, and the Lord has given me some things on this. So we're going to talk about redemption. Now, let me help you think through this. When you go to an arcade, how many arcade fans in the house? Okay, three of you, praise God. <laughs> the rest of you uh, holy people, do you know what an arcade is at least? When you go to an arcade and you spend $30 and you win all these tokens and tickets, you go to the counter, and what do you do? You... You redeem. Thank you. You spend a lot of money on something that costs $4 at the Dollar Tree, and, and you spent $30 to get it. And so, you know, that's not quite wisdom for all of your shopping needs, you know. But you go and you redeem the tickets. You give them the tickets, something you paid for that was paid for, and then they give you the, the prize or the counter. So we have, a, we have kind of a cognizant knowledge of redeem, but let me give you the biblical definition. Redemption means giving of the new nature and new life to man. Now, when we say man, we're talking about humanity, not just men. This is for the ladies also. Aren't you glad? This is for all humanity. It is the total plan. Somebody say total plan. And it's the total cost. Somebody say total cost. It's not only just the plan. We hear a lot about the plan of redemption, the plan of redemption. But what we're going to zero in on today is really the cost of this redemption. Remember the treasure buried in the field? The man went and sold all that he had to buy the treasure. It was paid for legally. The man didn't just steal the treasure. He didn't just, you know, uh, hire people in the night to come in and dig it up and cart it away. He wanted to do this legally. And so redemption is the legal right. It is the total plan and the total cost that God initiated to buy back mankind from the authority of Satan, from the ownership of Satan. And we're going to walk through this, and this is going to help you in a real powerful way. You remember Adam? Remember Adam and Eve? Remember the guy that caused all this trouble for us and all this pain that we're in? He's the, he's the reason that ladies have such a hard time in childbirth, and he's the reason we have death. And, and it's a, seriously, he's, Adam was, was the cause of this. Adam had pure, unbroken fellowship with God. Do you know Adam was designed to live forever? Adam was the, the, the human body was created to live forever. There was no sin, there was no sickness, there was no death. There's no disease. Adam and Eve had pure, perfect fellowship with God. And then the Bible says that Adam committed high treason against the Lord, which we're going to look at in just a few minutes. And because of that, he gave over the authority, the ownership that God had given to man. He turned that over to the devil. And that's why Jesus came to buy that back, to pay the cost, to deliver you. I want you to hear this phrase, to deliver you from the ownership of Satan, to deliver you from the authority of Satan. That's God's total plan and the total 
cost. So let me give you, this is just for Selena this morning. Let me give you four fundamentals about the fall. She likes alliteration more than anybody. So we're going to really bless her today. Let me give you four fundamentals about the fall of man. Number one is it affects every person. The fall of man affects everybody. That's why even little babies who are born in this world are born into a sinful world. That's why they are open to disease and open to calamity. And and because even as a little baby who's never sinned and never done anything wrong, they are born into a sinful world. It affects everybody. Even the best person still is under the curse of sin, under the curse of the fallen man. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, I want you to see this. The Bible says when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. So by one man's sin, death came into the whole world. Everybody say, good job, Adam. <laughs> Way to go. Now, we have an Adam here today, and we love him. Come on, can we encourage this Adam? He's, he's far better than the first Adam. But when Adam sinned, it brought death. Adam's sin brought death. Would you say that with me? Adam's sin brought death to every man. And the car agrees with me. <laughs> See, I can get a witness no matter what. I don't even need your amens. I'll just get the car horns, praise God. Adam's sin brought death. This is why we have pain, suffering, disease, calamity, because of Adam's sin. He committed high treason against our Heavenly Father. He didn't just sin. He just didn't eat an apple. Man, God must have been having a bad day that day. Adam just ate an apple and messed everything up. It was, it was giving over authority and the right that God had given to Adam and Eve to live forever. He gave over that right and that authority to the devil. So much more than just eating a piece of fruit. I remember uh, growing up as a kid, my grandmother would keep a bowl of fruit on the, the thing, and, and she would know, she would watch that fruit, she would monitor that, and she did not want us eating anything before supper. And she'd, I'd hear her little feet slide around, she'd say, who ate this fruit? Somebody ate a banana. I was like, well, Grant, Granny, how do you know? She's like, I'm counting the bananas. She said, you can have one after dinner. She didn't want us to mess up our dinner. God wasn't just having a bad day, because Adam ate the fruit. God, God knew the severity. Adam's sin brought death. This is why we live in the world we live in today. And so death spread to everyone because we see that everyone is sin. You know what really bothers me about Adam in the initial fall? Adam was not deceived. I hear it all the time. Adam and Eve were deceived. No, 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 no. The Bible clearly tells us Adam chose to do this. Adam knew Eve was deceived. Take a look at the Bible in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, God made Adam first, and afterward he made Eve. Now, do you know how the original Hebrew word uh, for woman came about? Have you all heard that story? It's really amazing. God put Adam to sleep and took out his rib, and he made the woman out of the dust. And, and you know how that, all that went in the, the rib. And, and so when Adam woke up, he said, whoa, man. <laughs> Come on. That was good. That was good. My girl's in the back like that. He's like, whoa, man. Oh, come on. Come on. That was really good. You know it. It's in the Hebrew. It's in the original Hebrew. I'm just too. Notice this. God made Adam first, and afterwards they made Eve. Verse 14 right here says, and it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The Bible says Adam chose, and God still offered grace and an extension of fellowship, even though Adam chose. When we choose to sin, I don't, you don't accidentally sin. Well, I didn't mean to sin. The devil made me do it. No, 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 no. Anytime I've sinned, I've chosen. It's a choice. It's a choice. Just like it's a choice to live right, it's a choice to sin. It says the woman was deceived. You see, all men, you talk about a marriage series right here. 
You talk about the responsibility of the man in the house to guard his family from deception. Adam failed not only humanity, but he failed his family. He failed Eve. He failed, failed his wife. And sin was the result. So number one, we have to understand that the fall of man, it affects everyone in the room. Number two, the second fundamental about the fall is there were grave consequences. Ooh, was about fell over there. I, I leaned and y'all all blue like that. But there are grave consequences to Adam's fall. This was not just some little deal. This brought two things. Write this down. Number one, this brought spiritual death. Number two, this brought physical death. That's why if you read the account of Genesis when they, in 3 and 4 and, and when they, they committed the fall, the, the sin against God, that's why the, the Hebrew the Bible says, in dying you shall die. Have you ever wondered that? In dying you shall die? God must have been from the south. I'll kill you dead. <laughs> I'll kill you dead. No, that's not what he was saying. He said, dying you shall surely die. Meaning the day that Adam committed sin against God, he died spiritually. There was a separation from his father that he had never known before. Could you imagine Adam waking up that next morning separated from God in a way he had never known? That emptiness, that darkness, that loneliness. And then not only did he die spiritually, but that day he began to die physically. His body was not dying physically. He was living. The body was created to live forever. But on that day in dying, you shall surely die. He died spiritually. And then he died physically. So here's the effects of spiritual death. Sin. Sickness. Poverty, lack, sorrow, pain. Your spirit man is separated from the living God. And then we understand physical death. Now, this is something the Lord gave me that I had never, I've never seen before, never taught this. This is fresh. And so I'll give you this with the disclaimer that this still needs to be tested and weighed, and I still need to research this more. But I saw this, and it was such a powerful way. There was no sickness in the bodies of Adam and Eve because they were... They were designed to live forever. There was no lack, no sorrow, no suffering. This is what the Lord, I felt like the Lord put my heart for this ready because God had complete authority over them. And they gave that authority over. Never seen anybody say that, never heard that. They, God had complete authority over Adam and Eve. There was no sin, no sickness, no suffering, no death. And they gave all that authority to the devil. That's why Jesus came to redeem us, to buy us back. So one day now in heaven, there's no sin, no sickness, no disease, no suffering. We get back to the original plan of God. Because in heaven, God will have total authority over us. Isn't that good? That was worth coming for. Two of you think so, but uh, praise God. You know, this is something that people don't understand when bad things happen to good people. They, they say, why, you know... Why is all these countries rising up in Ch you know, China and different places we heard about today that are closed you know, to the gospel? And, and why are these terrorist countries rising up in these rogue governments? And, and, and the re you know, why can't God do something? If God is in charge of the world, why can't He do something? I want to tell you this, and this is a huge statement. We could spend a whole sermon on this, but God is not in charge of the world's systems. He is the chief one. He is the supreme one. He ultimately controls the way that the world goes. But look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The Bible says, this is Paul. How many of you believe Paul? I believe Paul knows what he's talking about. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, well, if, why does God let, why do, if God loves everybody, why do we have all these hurricanes? And why do we have all this death? And why do we have these mass murders? And, and, and I'm telling you, we're blaming things on God. He doesn't have anything to do with it. He's saying, you all took the authority away out of my hands, and you've given it over to the devil. The Bible says Satan is the God of this world. Yes, God is the chief one. Yes, he's sovereign. But he leased that authority to man. Man gave it up. That's why, do you remember Matthew chapter 4? 
when Satan took Jesus to the pinnacle and he said, look at all these kingdoms of the world. If you bow down and worship me, Satan said, I will give you all these kingdoms in the world. How can you give what you don't have? Was the temptation of Jesus a real temptation? It was a real temptation. Jesus knew in, in his heart. He said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to give my life. Satan tempted him legitimately. I cannot tempt Robin with a million dollars. You know why? I don't have it to give. But Satan said, look at all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all this authority. It was a real temptation because you can't give what you don't have. Satan has authority in this world. That's why we have natural disasters and calamity and all the bad stuff that's going on. It's because Satan is the God of this world. He's blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of God's good news. That's why the Bible declares in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Would you say that with me? The wages of sin is death. Adam sinned, that wage, that payment was death. But this is redemption. This is the total plan, the total cost. But the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. So number one, it affects everyone. Number two, there are grave consequences to the fall of man. Number three, I want you to see this. Man is now in dire need of redemption unto eternal life. Man, apart from Jesus, is doomed to eternal death. Let me say that again. Man, apart from Jesus, is now the fate of fallen man is eternal death, eternal separation from God. Man is hopeless and helpless Without God, man, man cannot bring redemption upon himself. He cannot do this. It takes a higher power. It takes the power of God. Now, let me share with you something else that is real fresh in my heart. Redemption, if you could look at me, I want you to get this. We're going to go a little deep here now. We're going to dive in. Not too deep so we drown, but we're going to go a little deeper. Are you ready? Redemption is not just a forgiveness of sins. I've heard that taught my whole life, Pastor Michael, that redemption is, is the forgiveness of sins. And that's great, and it's a part of it. But hear this, I believe, from the heart of the Father. It's not just the forgiveness of sins. It's the total restoration of relationship. You can forgive someone who wronged you and not restore relationship, not restore fellowship. So redemption is not just my sins have been forgiven. I now have access to, to be a friend of God. Total relationship was restored because of Jesus. It's the total cost. It's the total plan. It's the man who found the treasure. That's you when you serve God in the field. He gave all that he had to buy the field. It's restoring of relationship. Look at Colossians 1. In verse 13, is this okay? Is this helping anybody today? I want you to get this. It's going to take you on a journey in your walk with God that will help you for the rest of your life. Colossians 1, 13. We have been rescued for He, Jesus, rescued. I see, I see this image, LaDonna, in my head. So a man stranded at sea, and he's trying to stay afloat, trying to do it in his own effort. His boat has capsized, and he's trying to tread water. And he's just about to go under. He's trying to make it happen. He's doing his own effort, doing the best he can, trying to keep his head above water. And all of a sudden, the Coast Guard comes. Do you need any help out there? Do you need any help out there? And they throw the life ring out there, and they grab it, and they reel him in, and they help him in. They pull him in the boat. That's what Jesus did for us in my humanity. 
In my fallen state, I'm doing all I can to survive, keeping my head above water. I'm just using my own energy and effort. And Jesus comes and does something I can't do. He rescued me from the kingdom of darkness. My fate was death. But because of Jesus, He rescued me. Not only did He rescue me, but He transferred us. There's a transfer. He takes me out of the kingdom of death, out of the kingdom of darkness, and He doesn't just clean me off. He doesn't just make me nice and pretty. He sets me in the kingdom of His dear Son. We've been transferred. It's called redemption because of how much God loves us. Isn't that awesome? I told you I wasn't going to get excited. So, <laughs> Hebrews 2.14. And, and I don't want this to just be emotional. I want to teach this to you. But man, this is good news. This is good news. Hebrews 2.14. This is almost as good as Pastor Michael's jokes and sarcasm. I mean, this is really, really close. It's almost as good as his integrity. I mean, sneaking the kids in the back door. I mean, it's, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. We were talking about the concert and all that. I'm teasing. We love Pastor Michael, and he is a man of integrity. Come on, can we encourage him? I'm just teasing. That's right, yeah. That was a pity clap for sure. Hebrews 2.14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. I'm going to teach you something here. It's very powerful. For only as a, only a human being could come and die. We're human beings, so it took human beings to pay the price. We're going to talk about the blood covenant in a few minutes. Notice this here, and only by dying, because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. It took blood because Satan cannot enter into a blood covenant. It took something that was only between God and man. What can God do for man that Satan can't partake of? How I many know I would make sure that turkey never had a way to be redeemed? He's the enemy of God. Well, he can never partake of a blood covenant, but we can. That's why only by the shedding of blood is there the forgiveness of sins. Notice this here. The Son came to be flesh and blood. That's Jesus. For only a human being could, could die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. This is redemption. He breaks the power of the devil. When you are not walking with Christ, when you're not in fellowship with God, you are under the power of the devil. Jesus even said, you are of your father, the devil. I mean, no, I don't want the devil to be my father. I don't want to be under his power of sin and sickness and curse and death and depravity. I want to be under my father's kingdom. Notice this here. He would break the power of, of the devil who had the power of death. But now Jesus has the power of life. And we can understand that man was in dire need of redemption. Now, number four, the last fourth fundamental is that Jesus paid the full price. Somebody say full price. I love this. I love it. I love it. I have had the opportunity before where I have helped someone maybe get gas. I've been at a gas station and, and maybe seen someone in need or maybe had someone come up. How many of you have ever had someone come up to you at a gas station and say, can you, you know, can you help me? I've been the recipient of that. I was, I don't know, 17, 16, 17, and I was going to Johnson City, and somehow I got turned around and went the wrong way and wound up in North Carolina. I'm just driving and talking, hanging out. This is before GPSs, ladies and gentlemen, although I still get lost with the GPS. 
And my brother's with me, and we're just fighting or yakking or talking or I don't know what we're doing. And I look up, and it says, Welcome to North Carolina. I was like, "Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. This is not good. (laughs) And and this is the honest truth. I looked down, and my little gas light was on. Now, we way up in North Carolina, and my little gas light was on. And I had no money. I don't know why my mother sent me to Johnson City with no money. But I had no money at all. Or why she sent me without a map. Or what were you thinking, mother? Come on. (laughs) But anyway, I, I, was, I was up in North Carolina, and I, and I drove, and I drove, and I drove, and I'm like, we're up in the mountains of North Carolina. Finally found this little jinky-dinky gas station. I scrounged up a few quarters under the seat. You know, there's always a qu- good quarter under the seat. And I went around, and I was begging people, can you please give me some gas money? I said, I've got to get back to Knoxville. And one guy gave me like a dollar. There was not a generous dude in the, the place. I had $2 and like 30 cents. And I put gas in my car, and praise God, this is no exaggeration. You can ask my mom, you can ask my brother. We put $2.34 in my car. We prayed over it. We said, God, we got to get home on this. This has got to get us. I drove for like a week on that $2.37 of gas. It was multiplied. There are certain times that I, I meet people, and, and I'll put in my car, and I'll say, now I'm only going to give you $20. I'm going to fill you up to 20 bucks or whatever. I did not pay the full price. I didn't top it off. There's still more they could do. But there are certain times when the Lord leads me and the finances are there and it's the right situation. I'll say, I'm going to fill up your tank all the way. And I'll, tum, tum, tum. you know what you're not supposed to do? You know, they say don't do that, but I'll just, tum, tum, tum. I'll top it off and I'll fill it up. At that point, I've paid the full price. There's nothing else they can do. There's nothing else they can pay. I don't have to have half of your payment. It, it, it will take you the full route that you need to go. In our redemption, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus paid the full price. There's nothing else I have to do to add to it. It's been, I'm filled with all the fullness of God. It's been topped off. There's so much more that I can walk in now. Jesus paid the full price. The price of redemption came at an extremely costly price. The life of Jesus, God's own son. The freedom of man had a very high price tag. And remember, God legally bought back man. To give us back the authority and the ownership God legally paid to buy us back out of slavery. Now, redemption means this. We're going to look at this word a little bit later. But it means to buy back from slavery. And we're going to talk about that. Let's just look at a few scriptures today before we close. And then we'll pick up next week. Look at 1 Peter 1, chapter 3. Now, I want you to be mature here and hang on and walk through this. Because this is going to help us understand God's plan of redemption. Now, you have to come back next week. I'm not going to get into it today, but I have 10 benefits of being bought by the blood, and you're going to love it. And so I was going to do four today, but I don't think we're going to make at least four. But I I want you to come back next week. We're going to do 10 benefits of being bought by the blood of Jesus, and it will revolutionize how you think about how much God loves you. But let's continue to deal with the fall of man. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let's just travel through these passages. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, It is by His great mercy that we've been born again. It's not of yourself. It's by His great mercy. Notice this here. God raised Jesus from the dead. And now, oh, I feel this so strong. Now we live with great expectation. Look at your neighbor and say, you can have expectation. You have a future. You have a hope. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I now, my expectation is not death. My expectation is not doom. My expectation is that God is my Lord, and I now have a great plan in the plan of God. I live with great expectation. Notice this here in verse 4. And we have a priceless inheritance. 
What priceless inheritance? It's so priceless. It cost all that God had. It cost all that Jesus had. It's the man who sold all that he had to buy the treasure in the field. We have a priceless inheritance. It's kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled. It's beyond the reach of change. God's not going to inadvertently change his plan of redemption. It is set in stone. It is written in blood. It will not change. It will not decay. Now, I love this. Verse 5. This is why redemption's offered to man. You ready? And through your faith. Somebody say, my faith matters. That's why the false teaching that everybody is born again, everybody's a child of God, you don't have to personally accept Jesus. It's just not true. It's through your faith individually. It's not your mama's faith, not your daddy's faith, not your granny's faith. It's your faith. Faith. Through your faith, notice this here, God is protecting you by His power. Man, I love that. Satan's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. God is protecting me by His power. Satan's coming to pull me away from the plan of God. God is protecting me by His power. When? How long will God protect me? Until I receive final salvation. When will I receive final salvation? At the end of the day, when I'm with the Lord. Notice this here, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So God is keeping me by His power until the final day of salvation, which is when I'm in heaven in the kingdom of God. That's, the, that's why the Bible says to those who are being saved. We like to say I'm saved, and we are, but you know what? I'm still in the process of being saved. My, my process is not yet finished. I'm in the process of being saved. But thank God, God is strong enough to hold me and protect me and keep me, and no man can snatch me out of the hand of God. I love this passage. This is, this is so good. Now, look at verse 8. It says in verse 8, You love Him even though you have never seen Him. Why? Because He's holding me by His power. It's through my faith He's protecting me. You love Him whom you've not seen. Uh, go to 1 Peter 1, uh, 8. I think I might have put the wrong one. 1 Peter 1, 8. You love Him whom you've not seen. And, and it says, you, Even though you don't see Him now, you trust Him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Notice this here. You do not see Him now, but you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Why am I so happy? Why do I have joy? Because I love Him whom I've not seen. Because He's executing the plan of redemption in my life. And it says, verse 9. 1 Peter 1, 9. I want you to see this. I'll wait because it's so important. Help her out there if somebody can. You got it? There we go. The reward. Come on, let's encourage Bethany. She's doing a great job. I think I put the wrong one in, so she's fixing my mistakes. I probably did it at 1.30 that night that I was up. At, uh, that's what happens when you make your PowerPoint at 1.30 at night. Watch this now. The reward for trusting Him. Say this with me. Ready? The reward for trusting Him. Is all this worth it? Is this following God worth it? Is church worth it? Is loving Jesus is serving, living right. Is this worth it? Notice this here. Will be the salvation of your souls. Now your soul in Scripture is not just your spirit, man. It also can refer to your mind, your will, and your emotions. The result of trusting Him, my mind is saved and renewed. My emotions are being saved. My will is leaning towards salvation. Now let's get to where I really wanted to go. Verse 18. Is 18 there? 1 Peter 1, verse 18. No more PowerPoints at 1.30 at night. Amen. <laughs> In the morning. Yeah, and Carrie said amen. Here we go. Let's see. Last scripture, I want you to see this here, and then we're going to let you go. So we love Him. We rejoice. The reward for trusting Him is the salvation of our souls. Notice this here. 
For you know that God paid a ransom. Now that's the same word in other translations as redeemed. For you know that God redeemed. And the word here redeemed actually means to buy back from slavery. Let me explain that to you in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, what this word meant. And it, it reflects way back in the Old Testament, if you committed a crime and you didn't have money to pay for the crime, they would take you and make you be a prisoner of labor. They would put you in slavery. If you stole something from someone, and if you didn't have the money to pay them back, then they would actually take you, and you would be their servant and their slave. They would own you until the debt was paid. And from time to time, one of your relatives in a far distant land would hear about what happened to you. They would hear that you're a slave. You have no freedom. You don't own yourself anymore. You're away from your family. You're separated. You're isolated. You're having to do hard work and hard labor. And way far in a distant land, one of your relatives would hear that and they would have means and money and finances and they would come to the owner that owned you and they'd say, what would it cost to set them free out of slavery? That's why we read in Ruth about the kinsman redeemer. That's why Jesus is called our kinsman redeemer. He's the dear brother, the older brother who came and said, what is the price for David's freedom? What is the price for Camille's freedom? What is the price for George's freedom? And the price is everything you have. It'll cost you your life. Jesus said, done. It's a deal. And he gave his life and he paid to set you free forever. That is good news. That is the good news of the gospel. It's the ultimate price. Notice this here. God paid a ransom. You were held hostage against your will. You were subject to death. And the price was high. And God paid a ransom. He redeemed you from your empty life. You know why we love Jesus and we love church and we love all things that are godly? Because it's a redemptive from the empty way of life. How many of you say, I've been redeemed from an empty way of life? Meaning you don't have purpose you know, value. Why, why is Robin valuable? Because Jesus gave his precious, priceless blood to pay for Robin. So now Robin is so valuable, not just because of Robin, but because of the blood of Jesus. Do you know why everybody that walks in the door, we need to value? You know what makes this church special? I believe everyone who walks in the door, we value them. You think it's just something cute I say when we say when you walk in the door, we put a tin on your head. And it's up to you to stay there. You know what a 10 is when you do the judges. You know, 10's perfect score. Why? Because everybody that walks in the door is valuable. Everybody that walks in the door is valuable because Jesus gave his blood for them. And so I should treat them with honor. I should treat them with dignity. I should treat them like the treasure of great price. Why? Because they are. People matter to God. And everyone who walks in that door, everyone we encounter, we need to see them not as just this or that or that. We need to see them as a person that God values so much that He was willing to give everything for that person. Notice this here, to save you from your empty way of life. It was not paid for by mere gold and silver. I love that, man. We think gold and silver is it. We think it's so valuable. He says it wasn't paid for by mere gold and silver. <laughs> Notice this, it was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, the sinless lamb. The precious blood. If you could advance to the next screen. It's verse 19. The precious blood of Jesus. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him. God chose Jesus as your ransom. God chose Jesus as your payment. Notice this here. Long before the world began, 
And now, in these last days, he's revealing this for your sake. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone's affected by the fall. Man is in dire need of redemption. Jesus paid the price because he loved us. And there are tremendous benefits. I've got at least 10. Between now and next week, I might add 10 more. Who knows? We might end up with 20. Probably not. Don't be be scared. They're all really, really good, and they're really powerful, and they will change your life. But you're not going to hear about them today. you got to come back next week. Amen? I mean, I could keep going. I mean, i got, I got notes and notes and notes. I mean, but, but the clock is against us. And let me just say, I appreciate you pressing in this morning to worship. I appreciate you pressing into loving each other. Let's make sure when people come in, we, we go to them, we love them, we connect with them. Let's not, we, we don't, we won't want to be cliquish where it's just Charlotte just comes in and just talks to Heather and thank God Charlotte and Heather talk. And I guess y'all like each other. You're getting, sitting kind of far away. I mean, I guess it, they're like, actually, we're feuding right now. Praise God. But let's talk to our friends and let's connect. But let's make sure every person walks on the door, we value them and we show them. Come on, yeah, let's give God thanks. We show them how valuable they are because they matter to God. Jesus holds them in, the, in his hand as the pearl, the one pearl, the pearl of great price. And he says, you little pearl there, I gave everything I had for you. I gave it all for you. You are the pearl. I am the pearl. Let's, and we're going to spend one session talking about how it's our job to go cultivate the treasure. I believe the man bought the field, but I believe he had help in, with other workers and servants. And I believe he had help getting the treasure out of the field. And our job is to get the treasure out of the field. And it's going to be awesome. Next week is going to be good. Amen? Yes. Amen. Let's close our eyes for just a second. Bruce, can you come and help us, my friend? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this great, 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 great plan of redemption that you would deem us valuable enough to rescue us and to put us in the kingdom of your dear son. Let's all close our eyes for just a minute. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I've been speaking to the group collectively, but I want to take just a minute and speak to just your heart. Real real quiet. Nobody moving around if you can. Let's honor this moment. Maybe you came today feeling far away from God. Maybe you came today just maybe hoping something would be said that would bring you, or maybe you just came because somebody made you or forced you into this. But let me tell you, you are the treasure. You are the great pearl. Jesus gave all that he had for you. All you have to do is is say yes to Jesus. Admit that you are a sinner like we talked about, that we've all fallen short of God's glory. And admit that, that you need Salvation, you're doomed to eternal death without Jesus. The price has been paid. Accept that. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead as the sacrifice. And then confess with your mouth. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I love Romans 10, 13. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your economic status, doesn't matter your history, doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter your culture. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then we will help you walk through that process of discipleship. You commit to following Jesus. Whoever trusts in Him, their soul will be saved. Is it hard work trusting in Jesus? Yes. Is it commitment and inconvenience? Yes. But there's inexpressible joy, full of glory. I would like there to be a party in heaven right now. What do you mean, preacher? 
The Bible says the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. Who says, I'm turning away from that way of life. That empty way of life. I'm turning away from the empty way of life. And I'm turning to the way of Jesus. Which is the way of life. And the Bible says the angels rejoice in heaven. So let's throw a party this morning. Let's all pray this together. Out loud. Say it with me please as loud as you can. Say, Heavenly Father. I come to you in Jesus name. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the opportunity to be forgiven. I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve separation from you. But Jesus bought me back. Jesus paid the price. And so sin and Satan, I turn away from you. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me brand new on the inside. Make me a new creation on the inside. Soften my heart. I commit to following you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that and you meant it for the first time, would you just raise your hand so I can agree with you and pray with you? Anybody in the house say, Pastor, that's me. I prayed that. I added faith to those words. And and I believe God did something in my heart. Anybody in the house, let us celebrate with you. All right, look up at me. We're all born again today, which is awesome. But you know what? We got one, two, three, four. We got four empty seats right here. And do you know why these empty seats need to be filled? Because that empty seat represents an empty heart. Every empty seat represents an empty heart that God can use us to fill. Amen? Amen. We sure love you. Pastor Michael, come and pray us out. Let's encourage Pastor Michael one more time. We sure love you. Come back next week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for your love and your mercy. We thank you that you have purchased us at such a great cost, that you love us that much. Lord, I pray that as we go, your blessings and your peace would be with us, that you would keep us until we come back again together. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Love you guys.